Hello, everyone, and welcome to the special edition of Employment Matters, brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Steve Hirschfeld. Well, today is a special day because it's Tuesday, and on Tuesdays, we have what's called the Travel Tuesday podcast, where each week we get a chance to dial in one of our members from around the world who will share with us a little about what it's like to do business in their jurisdiction. And today, we'll be learning a little bit about doing business in the state of Indiana. I'm pleased to welcome to the show, Kayla Ernst from Ice Miller in Indianapolis. Kayla, how are you? I'm great, Steve. How are you? Well, I got a question already. What's a Hoosier? You guys are the Hoosier state. What is that? That's a great question. I'm not sure anyone really knows, to be honest. So the simple answer is a Hoosier is someone who lives in Indiana, someone who's from Indiana. You know, we're proud of who we are and what we represent here, but no one really knows where it came from. There's some various theories, but it somehow bloomed out of the 1800s, but it's who we are. Let's say we have somebody from outside the United States looking to open up an operation in your state. What's the economy like? What's it like to do business where you are? Sure. So it's a very pro-business state. So Indiana is consistently ranked as one of the best states for businesses. And some of the reasons for that are low taxes and reasonable cost of living. And it's a very entrepreneurial state as well. So it's a very friendly place to start a business in that there's a lot of funding opportunities and resources for startups and small businesses here. And, you know, on the employment side, it's pretty employer friendly in that we don't have a lot of strict state and local law requirements. So let me ask you about that, because, you know, during COVID, we saw employees starting to move all over the country and working remotely. And so, for example, in California, where I'm based, non-competes generally are, they're not enforceable. But, you know, now we see employees from, you know, the tech sector moving to places like Indiana, you know, or to Iowa or some other part of the Midwest where it's less expensive to live. So if I had a bunch of employees that relocated to Indiana, could I have a non-compete? What are the rules on that? Sure. So, you know, assuming this is kind of come up under Indiana law and in an Indiana court, Indiana, like most jurisdictions, disfavors non-competes, but they will enforce a reasonable non-compete based on the business interests of the employer that it can protect. Indiana has a unique non-solicitation rule. So that's one thing I would add. So in terms of non-solicitation of employee provisions, that really has to be limited to prohibit solicitation of employees who have access to or possess knowledge that would give a competitor an unfair advantage. So a lot of the times you see these non-solicitation provisions of like, you can't solicit any employees for 12 months. Well, that that wouldn't fly here. But otherwise, courts will uphold, you know, generally reasonable non-competes if the employer has a enforceable interest. So, you know, we're all reading the paper about what the Federal Trade Commission wants to do and how Congress is involved looking to sort of ban non-competes around the country. Would that be a big deal in the business community in Indiana? I think so, in that it's something we do a lot is putting together enforceable non-competes for employers. Absolutely, it would be a big deal. It's, you know, how they feel that they're protecting their interests and retaining talent and they're investing, you know, their time and money into these employees is kind of how they view it. And so non-competes are important to them. So, you know, I know obviously you guys are one of the biggest law firms in the state. Who are you representing? What sort of industries do you folks tend to work with? Give us a sense for that for your state. Sure. So, I mean, when we're talking about Indiana-based clients, one key industry here is manufacturing. So we have a lot of manufacturing clients, especially on the employment side. 
agriculture is also a major contributor to the economy here. We have a lot of farmland. So we have really attorneys across the firm that service our ag clients from A to Z. And then we have a M&A practice here and they're dealing with companies. They're more national, international in scope. And so they're even doing transactions where we're you know, acquiring companies that have workforces all over the world. And that's when we're reaching out to our ELA colleagues to help with those types of deals. So, so on the HR fronts, if you're an employment lawyer, what's keeping you up at night these days, your clients? What are the hot issues that you're dealing with right now? Sure. So I think, I mean, just the most challenging thing for us in the past few years has been keeping up with state laws because we have clients that have employees everywhere and there's new statutes being passed all the time. There's case law, that's decisions being issued all the time. And so being able to stay on top of those things and being able to advise our clients in Indiana who have employees everywhere about the latest and greatest developments in those states is always top of mind because in Indiana, there's usually not a lot of action going on. So we're trying to make sure we're keeping abreast of things on a national scope now. So, you know, in the olden days, which is, I would define as anything pre-COVID, you know, you had employees, one here, one there, nobody really cared. But now it seems like it's a bigger deal. How are you dealing with things like, you know, like an Indianapolis company that's got employees in 12 states? Are you literally like reviewing employee handbooks to make sure they're compliant each of these states, looking at their NDAs or contracts? Give us a sense for what sort of things are you doing to help make sure they're compliant? Sure. So, I mean, it usually starts with an initial conversation with the client because it matters how many employees they have in these other states as to whether they're triggering, you know, other state laws. And sometimes, you know, it's a question of risk too. If they have one employee in a jurisdiction that has a lot of strict requirements, you know, we'll offer to do a full state law addendum for their handbook, but is it worth it for them to do it? So it's a business decision too sometimes. So, so yeah, we do review handbooks for compliance in all the states where employees are located We do a lot of addendums or memos to supplement the handbooks. And then there's, you know, all these posting requirements that help assist with compliance too, that they have to distribute as well. Great. Well, look, this has been fantastic. Thank you, Kayla. I really appreciate talking to you. If you want to connect with Kayla, really easy. You'll see her bio in the description of the podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download our white papers, and maybe most importantly, get access to the Global Employer Handbook which is a 50-state, 100-country compliance manual and platform on hiring and firing worldwide. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Steve Hirschfeld. Thanks for listening.